speaking tonight, Dana Smith. And so, um, now you've preached before, haven't you? This, this is your first sermon. Okay. So, um, it's your first sermon here though. And so we are excited to, to have you here. And, and, uh, many of you know, Deanna from Gary Wood. Um, and so, so you're among, you're among friends here tonight, but if you don't know Deanna, uh, I want you, I want to encourage you to, to get to know her and her family. Um, her middle son's a big Star Wars fan, so we hit it off pretty quick. But um, anyway, so as, I'm, as I've mentioned before, Deanna is going to be with us at least for the next year uh, in, in her capacity as a student at Beeson Seminary, where she's working on her Master's of Divinity, and so she's doing a practicum with us, and so she's going to be involved in various areas of ministry. And uh, this is something that's very important to me. I, I love helping to raise up other ministers, and so it's a joy to be able to participate in this. So I asked her last week if she wants to just dive in the deep end, and I'm actually, you know, of course, I'm working on my schooling too, and I've got tons of paperwork and reading to finish this week before I go to Springfield this weekend. So, so this is a win-win because she gets to have some experience preaching and dives right in, and I get to have a night off. So it works for all of us. <laughs> so I want, you to, I want you to give Deanna Smith a huge, huge welcome as she comes to speak the word to us tonight. All right, good to see everyone tonight. Um, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Chad did tell me I could share a little bit about myself tonight, but before I start that, I just, um, when I was talking with the district about where to go to do my practicum, um, one of the district individuals was just talking about the similarities between Pastor Chad and myself as far as being studious and different things. Um, we differ on Star Wars. I don't get it, <laughs> but what I lack it. <laughs> What I lack in that, my four guys make up for that. I don't, I, when my sons ask me what color lightsaber I'd like, I just assume blue's a good color, and I tell them I loved Yoda and Star Trek. So <laughs> they're not very much amused by that, but they're highly offended. But I will share just a little bit about myself, since you guys are my new church family, and I do thank you for welcoming us here. Um, I love the slogan, healing for your past and hope for your future. I mean, no matter how long we've known God, sometimes we still need healing. Um, and since you're in my new church family, I will share some personal details with you tonight. Um, I won't share all because it's my son's story to tell, and I'm going to get emotional, and that's okay. I'm among friends and family. Um, we've been in battle. Uh, you know, when you serve the Lord, He's got a target on your back. Um, back in March, my son has some medical issues, and he was in the hospital for about 12 days. Um, we didn't tell a lot of people, and we didn't know exactly. Things came so fast and happened so fast, and we, we didn't know. We were such in shock. We didn't even have a moment to think to talk to anybody. Who should we talk to? Some of it was physical, and some of it was very much spiritual. Um, my son, a couple of years ago, called us from um, a weekend and deeper, and he told us that he had a call of God on his life. And from that moment, the spiritual attack began. Um, it's his story to tell, and I want him to tell it as part of his testimony, so I'm not going to tell you the whole story. But I praise God that he brought him through that after 12 days. And sometimes as a parent, you don't understand why your kids have to go through these things. But I heard him talking about it about two weeks ago, and he said, you know, when I was in children's, he said, that was some of the best days of my life. He said, I just learned so much while I was there. And he's grown. And just I'm thankful 
you know, I've always taught my girls when I taught Sunday school that the trials are the blessings. It, was, it does not like it when we're going through it. It doesn't seem like it at all, but the trial is definitely the blessing. Um, just a little bit about me. When I graduated high school, my plan was to go to Lee University in Tennessee. My major was going to be communications, and I wanted to work at WDJC um, on the radio. That was my plan. That did not work out. Um, so I searched for a new career, and I found that in the medical field. I was licensed in x-ray. Um, the only reason I was in x-ray at the time was because I was going into radiation therapy to do cancer treatment. And at the time, they required you to be licensed in x-ray. So I went through x-ray school, went through radiation therapy school, and practiced. During that time, I was just restless. Restless. Like, there's, there's got to be more. I loved what I did. I loved my patients. But I was just restless. And one day, um, my friend was over at my house, and we were just hanging out. And I shared with her that I felt led to go to Bible college. It didn't make sense why. I had a degree. I had a career. And it's like, God, why? Why now? And so when I expressed this to my husband, he said, Deanna, this doesn't make sense. I said, I know it doesn't, but I'm just telling you what the Lord has impressed upon my heart. Well, it wasn't six weeks later that we had an SUM cohort open up at our church. Um, and so that to me was, okay, God, this is the door you want me to go through. And I talked to my husband, and he, he really struggled with it. Um, and he told me that, he said, I don't understand. He said, but I know your walk with the Lord, and I know if you feel like the Lord wants you to do it, then you need to do it. But he still wasn't at peace with it, and I said, I will not do this as a concession. I will wait till I have your blessing. So he asked me to wait. He said, just wait to the next trimester. Wait, and then start then. So we waited. I went through SUM, graduated, and obviously that's where I know Chris Aaron from. We were in class, and, and I will say, the money I spent at SUM was worth watching Chris Aaron and Steve Pilot. <laughs> <laughs> They're two antics. It was worth every penny. You know, laughter is good for the soul. But when I graduated from Bible college, I didn't really know what the plan was. We had um, a family situation where we were trying to gain custody of my great-niece, and that fell through. Even though God had led us to do this, that wasn't God's ultimate purpose in our life. But he had arranged us um, and positioned us to the point where I even quit my job, expecting to get this child, only to find out that DHR had given this child to someone else months earlier and had strung us along this time. Along this time. But my husband's mother became ill, and she had pancreatic cancer, and she was steady decline. But because of our obedience to God, I was able to be there to care for her in her last days and to be there to support my husband and for our family that came in from out of town. So when I talk about these things, our testimony is, not, is one of obedience. We don't know. You know, although God sometimes tells us up front, sometimes he just gives us a little bit of what's to come, and we obey and then things may play out totally different, but we know that God has the best in mind for us. Um, so I graduated SUM. Then I got a call um, if I was interested in working as a chaplain. And I was, um, very much so. And so I began that process of clinical pastoral education, did my residency at uh, Princeton Baptist Medical Center. Love that facility very much. Um, I would love to be there again one day. It was just a wonderful place. And just the culture of being able to pray and being able to 
speak God's name. It's um, an interfaith chapel, but because it's a Baptist facility, you can speak the name of Jesus, and you don't have to tiptoe around to do it. But it's a wonderful place. But I have learned so much through chaplaincy and grown through that. Um, So the next step from chaplaincy after doing my clinical pastoral education, and I should say I've done everything backwards. People mainly do their Masters of Divinity first, then they do their clinical pastoral education, then they get board certified. And I have, I started differently. I had a position as a job, then I began my clinical pastoral education, now I'm getting my Masters of Divinity. So everything is so very different. I don't know if that's where God's going to have me permanently, but I know that training is something that's going to be valuable in ministry, whatever. Um, I think most of you have maybe met my husband. Um, he was prophesied, or I received a word of knowledge, prophecy, I don't know what you would call it, at the age of 12, that God was preparing a man for me. And because God knew what my future held, and God knew the things and the temptations that I would come up against, he let me know ahead of time that he has something special for me. And what a good God we serve. And so we met, we knew after two weeks that that was the person God had created for us. So now we didn't rush to the chapel right away, but we waited. Uh, We got married after 18 months, and we had children after about seven years. And our firstborn's Jameson, and his whole birth was um, a testimony in itself. Just we almost lost him. on, in different scenarios, and as I shared earlier, you know, the battle's still on for his life, but the enemy's not going to win, in Jesus' name. And some of you have met Dawson. I don't know. He, he's just a special guy. Um, I have never met someone that can just walk up to anyone and just engage him like he does, <laughs> just find such common ground and just have them eating out of his hand like he does. But he's a fun little guy, and sometimes it can be a little much. And so if he gets a little much, just tell him, Dawson, <laughs> bring it down. And our baby is Grayson. He's, uh, I guess you would say he's our rainbow baby. He came to us after we lost two before him. And as I was sharing with um, someone at dinner, that all my boys' names end in son, Jameson, Dawson, and Grayson. And I fought against naming that third one with a son name because it felt so hokey and ridiculous. But my husband really fought, fought for it. And as I was driving to work one morning, I was just praying about his name. And I said, God, I want his name to have significance. And that's when God spoke to me and said, it's only by my grace that he's going to be here. So that's my son of grace. So that's Grayson. So he's a little special. Sometimes he may get away things um, that he shouldn't. Um, that's okay. Y'all can hold me accountable. Y'all are a church family now. Y'all can, <laughs> y'all can help us with that. Um, so my husband, he's um, an educator. He's been, I think, 27 years almost, 25, 27 years. And some of you met my mom last week. Um, my mom has probably been the greatest testimony of who God is in our lives. And earlier when I talked about how great God is and about the, the trial being the blessing. It's because I'm who I am today because I've watched her walk through so many trials and be faithful. I've watched her, when she didn't have money for dinner, say, I'm going to be faithful to God and pay my tithes. And that was the example she set for us. And because of what she walked through, I know that I can walk through it too. Because Jesus was faithful to her, that he, can be, he will be faithful to us. And that kind of takes me to the, the message for tonight, is that um, Hebrews 13, 8, 
Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Um, so we will move on to the message. Um, I taught Sunday school for almost 20 years. And it's not because I know so much, because I don't. It's because I had so much to learn. Um, and the same thing with preaching. It's not because I'm an expert. It's not because I went to Bible college. It's not because I'm getting a Master of Divinity. Most of y'all probably know more than I do. But it's because I have so much to learn. And I was preparing for this lesson and for this sermon and this, and this study. I was blessed greatly by it. Just the things God reminded me and showed me. So tonight, I hope you didn't come for the words of the minister, but I hope you came for the ministry of the word. So we're currently in the month of May. Y'all know that for a couple more days. And I don't know how many of you have had a long May. I know some of you have had graduations. Some of you have had dance recitals and family get-togethers and vacations, end-of-the-year parties, awards banquets. You've had a lot of stuff going on. And for many of us, it's a time of transition. I know some of us have family members moving out of town. Um, some of us are just transitioning from our children coming out of school into being home every day, and we're trying to get it back into a normal routine. Um, but some of us have children leaving, leaving the nest in big transitions. And my own son, he's interning this summer, so he has stepped out. My mom was with us for a couple of weeks as she recovered from surgery, and so my family went from six to four. So we're in a period of transition right now where we feel empty at home. Now, when we look at the weather events that have occurred recently, there have been more than 500 reports of tornadoes that have been received by the National Weather Service in the past 30 days. And I know in this community, you're close to where I live in Hueytown and Concord. We're not a stranger to tornadoes, and we know how those can affect us. But of those 328 reports of tornadoes, of those reports, 328 have been logged from May 17th through the morning of May 28th. That's 11 days. 328 tornadoes in 11 days. And the National Weather Service says this is the most active, prolonged period of tornadoes here in the U.S. since the April 2011 outbreak. Again, we're no stranger to this. We know the consequences. We know what comes with tornadoes, the loss of power, loss of life, loss of food, loss of income through last of jobs. Some places have lost roadways. They can't get to work. Um, some people are stranded in their homes or have had to move. Um, farmers can't plant their crops. And so there's fear because of the economic downturn that's going to come. Where's their food going to come from? And dams are breaking. They're creating more havoc. So it's safe to say that those are affected. They're in a time of transition, too. And these transitions are fraught with uncertainty, anxiety, chaos, and fear. But it's in these times of transition and the accompanying emotions of dismay and fear that we need to remember most the declarations of Hebrews 13, 5 through 8. It says, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider their outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now there are four truths we can glean from this passage. And the first two I'm going to kind of lump together. This is we're never alone and that we don't have to fear what is to come. 
the phrase, I will never leave you nor forsake you, is a promise tantamount to the one given to Jacob in Genesis. It says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I promised. That same promise was made to Israel in Deuteronomy 31. He said, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord our God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. Do not fear. And the same promise was made to Joshua. He said, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And again, the same promise was made to Solomon. And David said to Solomon, his son, Be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. But that's a divine saying, that I will not leave you, that I will not forsake you. It was said multiple times. And what was said to Joshua and Jacob and Israel and Solomon, it extends to us also. He's never going to withdraw his presence from us. He's not going to leave. He's not going to take his help away from us. He's not going to forsake us. And Jesus is always with us, and we know that he's the friend that sits closer than the brother. The second truth... God has given us leaders to guide us and examples and proof of his sustaining and delivering power. Hebrews 13, 7, Remember your leaders who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, the author of Hebrews instructed his audience to remember the leaders who had spoken to the word of God to them in their lifetime. When he said remember them, he wasn't saying just think about them occasionally. He wasn't saying just pray for them when you pray. He said imitate their lifestyle. Remember the way they lived. Imitate their actions. Their lives were to reflect the word that they had been taught. The author also instructed the audience to consider the outcome of their way of their life. And if you remember many of the biblical accounts, most of them were martyred. A good many of them were. You remember Stephen, who was stoned to death? James, who was the brother of Jesus and the bishop of Jerusalem? And James, the brother of John, who was killed by Herod's sword? God's word is full of examples of those who lived a life of faith, and it's to our benefit to remember them. Now, the majority of us are probably better at forgetting than we are at remembering. And we tend to focus on the good rather than the bad. None of us want to remember the bad stuff. And when we remember the bad stuff, it can be like ripping a scab off a wound. And dwelling on the negative aspects of circumstances and situations is not healthy. But we do need to remember. Specifically, we must remember how Jesus intervened and delivered us from them. This is how we encourage ourselves in the Lord. When we remember the things that our Lord Jesus Christ has brought us through. And this becomes our testimony. Now, the flip side of dwelling on negative situations is living in denial. When we live in denial, we deliberately try to forget the reality of what is happening or has happened. And guess what Scripture has to say about that? Scripture rebukes those who forget the past work of God in history or in their lives 
or who neglect their present responsibilities toward God in order to please themselves. Now, forgetting can be deliberate. It can be caused by idolatry. In Judges 3.7 says, The people of Israel did what was right in their own eyes. They forgot the Lord and served the Baals and Asheroth. It can be the result of pride. In Hosea 13, 5 through 6, it said, It was I who knew you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. But when they grazed, they became full, they were filled, and their heart was lifted up. Therefore, they forgot me. How do we get to the point that we forget God? After all the good things that He's done for us, from the time we're born, the very breath that He puts in our life, how do we get to a point that we forget? Our very living and being is in Him. How is it we forget? We said it could be by idolatry and pride. It could be deliberately. It can also be caused by affliction, as the psalmist wrote. My heart is struck down like grass and has withered. I forgot to eat my bread. It's never the will of God that we become so overwhelmed with the circumstances of life for the heartaches of things that we have to face daily that we forget who God says He is. When we forget who God is, we forget the power that He has to sustain us. We forget that He will deliver us from our situation. When we forget who God is, we fail to remember that we have been made overcomers through Jesus Christ. Rather than stand in our kingdom authority and rebuke the enemy, we wallow in self-pity and despair. But we know the answer. We know the Savior. But we have to remember. Remembering is an active thing we have to do. We have to actively seek the Lord. We have to actively focus on the Lord and put our attention on Him, lest we forget. One of the saddest passages of Scripture to me is the account found in Judges 2, 10 through 13. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that they had done for Israel. Because they had not been taught, they could not remember. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They served the Baals. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought him out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed down to them. They provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord. And if you remember the story, at this point in time, they had the law that had been given to Moses. The Israelites were aware of the Ten Commandments and the prohibition of having idols. And it was their responsibility to teach the laws and statutes to their children. This is one of my favorite um, scriptures. I guess it juxtaposes the scripture there in, in Judges. But it's Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you arise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of the house and on your gates. Every one of those activities is devised to prevent them from forgetting so that they don't have this generation that rose up and didn't know the Lord. And today we have that responsibility. 
we have a responsibility to continually set Christ before our children, before our friends, before our coworkers, our family, and our loved ones. We have that responsibility in everything that we do. Everything that we do is a testimony either for or against Christ. And I pray that our life will be a testimony for Him. When my firstborn was a baby... He was really sick one day. It was a Sunday, and we couldn't go to church, and he was real congested. He couldn't sleep, but he always went to sleep in a car seat. And I knew sitting up, he could sleep, and he could rest. So I strapped him into the vehicle, and we went for a ride. It was good for both of us. He could rest. I could get out of the house. Um, at this time, we were looking for a new house, somewhere to move. And so I was riding around first in my neighborhood as I left, and I drove by these apartment complex. And out there, I saw multiple kids playing, like 12, 13 kids playing. And it was church time. And I just wondered, why aren't these kids in church? I mean, I knew when my kid wasn't in church. He was sick. He was an infant, but the rest of my family was there. And this was before the time of multiple church services. This is the time when you still had a morning service. It may be a night service. They didn't have three and four services. So I continued to drive. I drove to another neighborhood where we were looking to move. And again, I saw the same thing. I saw these little girls out on their front lawn. They had their babies and their strollers and their carriages. This wasn't just something they were running outside to do right quick. This was something they knew they had time to do. They packed up. And I wondered, again, why aren't these kids in church? And it grieved me so much because we have a responsibility to teach our kids. Because of what it says in Judges, there was a generation that rose up, you know, the Barna studies now will tell us that we are very close to a nation and a generation that does not know God. And we have a responsibility to make sure they know. And I guess people ask, why did that bother you so much? And I shared that with my girls Wednesday night as I was teaching, and I teared up, and one of the girls kind of laughed. She said, seriously, are you going to cry about that? And I said, you know what? Jesus is a precious gift. You don't know what it's like to not have someone to bring you to church. And you may be drugged to church, but you have someone bringing you. These young ladies and these young men that are out here playing, I don't know how they get to church. I don't know if they've ever been told about church. I don't know if they have grandmothers or aunties or uncles that are going to take them. But it convicted me to know that I was not doing my part for this generation. And when I was growing up, we didn't have a car. We were, we were poor. We were very poor. And we lived near family, a quarter mile near family. So for groceries, we could ride with them to the grocery store. My mom worked for my uncle. He had his own business. My aunt lived next door. So she could ride with her to work. But I knew if it hadn't been for my church that had a bus ministry to come and pick me up, I might not be who I am today, that I might not be, that I might be somewhere else, that I might have chosen a different path in life. I might not be pursuing opportunity to share the gospel. I might be someone waiting for someone to pursue me with the good news of Christ. Without going to church in that bus ministry, I would have never been taught about the Ten Commandments, about the birth of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, healing a blind Bartimaeus, the lepers, the woman of the issue of blood, the lame man at the temple gate. So many things that I would not have remembered. And I realized I was dropping the ball. I never would have had spiritual leaders to imitate. I would not have known the depth that I was 
um, called to live, that I wouldn't have known that I was bought with a price, that I was called to live a life of holiness, and that there were expectations as a Christian. There's are things that are not just called. These are things that are taught. And it's because someone took me to church. And because I remember that, and it's not lost on me, how great that a gift that was. My heart is for others to do that. When my son was little, well, when all of our sons were little, we read to him. Of course, my husband's an educator, and he loved, loved to read. And that was before bed. He would read to my oldest son, and brown bear, brown bear, what do you see? Brown bear, brown bear, looking at me. He had it memorized. Polar bear, polar bear, what do you see? Whatever, looking at me. I don't have it memorized. Um, when my little was, was little, he liked to read The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Can I tell you, I didn't enjoy reading that book night after night because my son had many food allergies. And even at two, he knew what every one of them were, and he was diligent about making sure everyone read everything to him. He couldn't read, but he would look on the box diligently and see if it had any pictures of anything he was allergic to. When he was in rainbows, itty bitty, he would take the box to the leader and make it read them to him. And so this two-year little boy, two-year-old little boy, when we got to the picture or the page with nine or 11 foods, whatever they were, that was the worst part. He would start with the page. Does this one have eggs in it? No. 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 Good. We're done. Nope. Back to the beginning. Does this one have peanuts in it? No. Does this one have peanuts in it? No. Does this one have peanuts in it? No. We're done. Does this one have soy in it? No. Does this one have soy in it? No. Then there was another one. Does this one have milk in it? No. And you know, as a mom, you've all done this, so don't judge me. We try to skip past those pages. <laughs> but he would never let, let me. But can I tell you what I wish I had done? I wish I had trained our kids to remember better. I wish instead of the stories of the hungry caterpillar, instead of the stories of brown bear and polar bear, I wish we'd spent more time in the Bible stories. I wish um, we had trained our kids to ask to hear the story about the floating axe head or the fisherman that fished all night and didn't catch anything. But Jesus said, cast your nets again. And guess what? It was full. I wish we told them more about the, the temple tax and the man who was sent to the lake to get the fish. And in the mouth of the fish, there was those golden, there was the coins to pay the temple tax. I wish we told him more about David killing Goliath, about the eunuch in, um, who disappeared into the sky in the, in the book of Philippians. You know, I can imagine if we'd done this today and taking out this Bible storybook at night and my son asking, did Jesus heal this one? Did Jesus heal this one? Did, yes. Did Jesus heal this one? Yes. Did Jesus make provision for this one? Yes. Did Jesus make provision for this one? Yes. Did he make provision for yes? Did he deliver this one? Yes. Did he deliver this one? Yes. Did Jesus forgive me? Yes. Did Jesus forgive you? Yes. Did Jesus die on the cross for me? Yes. Did Jesus die on the cross for you? Yes. Did Jesus cross die, die on the cross for dad? Yes. Did he die on the cross for Jameson? Yes. 
Did he cry, die on the cross for my granny and my granddaddy? Yes. And I wish we had trained our kids to remember those things more. But now we're at a time, you know, I didn't, we didn't focus on those things. We focused on their reading skills and such. Now, we did teach them Bible studies, but not like how Bible stories like I wish we did. But, you know, we do JBQ, plug for anybody that wants to help, and it is a great training tool. But it's our job to teach children to remember and what to remember. And this is why we remember. Because there's going to come a time in your children's life that they need hope. There's, going to, there's a time in your life today, and even at our advanced ages, we know we need hope. We know that we can't make it another day without Jesus. That we need Him, and we need to remember that He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And the same God that forgives me yesterday is going to forgive me today. The same God that died on the cross and wants to have a relationship with me yesterday wants to have a relationship with me today. The same God that delivered Jacob and Israel and Joshua will deliver me as well. If you look at the Old Testament in various times, God's people set up a simple altar of remembrance. And they did this at a place where God did an especially powerful miracle. At a place where God dramatically rescued his people. At a place where God taught them an important lesson. And these altars of remembrance were constructed with simple local stones. And they would serve as reminders to future generations of God's past faithfulness in order to give them strength to continue trusting the Lord in their present trials. And so I want to ask you tonight... Are you that altar of remembrance in your family, in your community? Are you a testimony? Do you help the people in your community and in your sphere of influence to remember who God is in our lives? And not just in the bad times. We all need that. But we don't need to go to God just when things are bad because we run the risk of forgetting. If we remember God daily, we won't have to forget. And so I challenge you, to be that altar of remembrance in your community, in your home, with your loved one, in your marriage. But why should we build altars of remembrance? I'll give you three reasons. Because the present can be foggy because we forget. And hindsight is often 2020. And when we're in the midst of a trial, we can't always see God's clarity, see his plan clearly, his purposes. I know every once in a while, one of my former pastors would, during Sunday night services, have a testimony night. And some people avoided them. You could, you could always see people always had to go to the restroom all of a sudden so they wouldn't get called on. You could see people ducking and weaving around the pastor. It was kind of humorous. And, and that didn't bother me so much. What bothered me was, in my 20s, I didn't know what I would say if he called on me. I was, had no problem testifying to the goodness of God, but, but what? And so that plagued me. And the next day, as I drove to church, as I drove to work, I had a, about a two-hour drive when I worked in Selma. And I said, God, what is my testimony? What would you have me say to people about you? I've been through a lot, as we all have. And I said, I know there's a testimony in there somewhere. And so as God began to show me, because I had to stop and I had to remember. I had to think back to my childhood. I had to think back to all the things that God had brought me through. Was it fun? No. Was it painful? Yes. But was it beautiful just the same? Yes. Some of the memories were just brutal, but I recognized the pattern 
that the Lord was always faithful. He was always with us, and I realized that He would always be just as Hebrews 13, 8 declares, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we can't see or feel God in our present circumstances, it's a major boost to our faith to be able to see Him in our past circumstances. And can I just share with you that last week, as some of you shared, you encouraged us so greatly. And there's a sister who shared about having eye surgery. You may not know that my mom was here, and she was one week post-op from her corneal transplant that she's put off for years. And she was so greatly encouraged that because you are where she wants to be. And because of your testimony, she's encouraged that God's going to bring her there also. So I thank you for not keeping quiet. I thank you for sharing. I thank you for encouraging her. Another reason we want to remember is because the present can be confusing. Satan tricked Eve and Adam by asking a leading question in Genesis 3.1. Did God really say... And you know, it's not just Satan that does that to us. There's people in this world that are crafty, that are manipulative, and they can have you doubting what you think you know. And I was on my college campus one time, and I received an email about coming to an event. Um, it was an interdenominational, well, it wasn't interdenominational, it was for a specific denomination. But knowing that a large part of my student body was this denomination, I thought... I needed to experience this because as a chaplain, I will be ministering to people of other denominations. And so I sat there, this gentleman walked in, and he said, who are you? What are you doing here? I'm like, well, I came. There was an email. He goes, There's an email? What email? There shouldn't have been an email. And as he kept on, I began to feel like I didn't belong there, and I began to question, did I really get an email? Maybe, maybe I didn't. Maybe I imagined it. But I did. I did. But there are people that will lead you just like the enemy did to make you question what you know. And when Eve answered the serpent with an incorrect memory or understanding of what God really did tell her, Eve said that God said not even to touch the tree. But the scriptural account indicates that God told them they could eat from any other tree in the garden. And Adam and Eve didn't remember what God said to them. They didn't remember what God did for them in warning them about this one tree, but also they failed to remember all the other trees they had and what devastating consequences their forgetting had for the rest of the human race and for them being deceived. So building altars of remembrance for what God has done for us and taught us in the past will help us in the present to make wise choices. And number three, our altars of remembrance create an opportunity for us to tell others about Jesus. You all know some people don't care what the Bible says. And some of you who have that reputation of being a believer, of being a Christian, of being one that's open about your faith, you know they're going to go the other way when they see you coming, or they don't mind challenging you to your faith to shut you down. But if you share about your testimony, God healed me from my eye surgery. God was with me in my time of suffering. They might hear your personal experience more so than they will what the Bible says. They might take it from you. They can't challenge what you have experienced for yourself. And God can use our experiences to teach others truth that is in the Bible. And so tonight I ask you, what are some altars of remembrance of God's faithfulness in your life? And we need to take the time to remember the faithfulness of God, the good and the bad. 
And I know, especially in church circles and communities, when we talk about things that God did in the past, some people like to say, well, we're living in the past all the time. We're always talking about the glory days of the church. We're not talking about the glory days of the church. We're talking about what God did. We're talking about the fact that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if he did it yesterday, if he healed people, if he delivered people, if he set the captives free, that he'll do it today. And when we talk about yesterday, we talk about the activity of God in creation. When we talk about today, we talk about his activity in offering salvation. And we talk about tomorrow. We talk about our future reigning in heaven. So tonight, I would just ask that you take the time to remember the faithfulness of God and to remind yourself and encourage yourself in the Lord that he was with you nonstop. He was with you through thick and thin. That he was that friend that sticks closer than the brother yesterday. He'll do it today, and he'll do it tomorrow. In Jesus' name. All right, let's pray. Father, we come before you tonight. God, just humbled by the love and the care that you have for us. God, I couldn't help just being humbled so low. Just knowing the sacrifice that you made for us and the things that you still do for us. God, that you care for us when we're so unworthy, when we continue to fall short daily. And sometimes we continue just to mess up. But God, you love us and your mercies are new every morning. God, I thank you for your blessing so much, God. And I just pray that each one would remember, God, that none of us in this room would forget. But we would also pick up the mantle of helping others to remember not only who you are, but who they are in Christ. God, I pray that you be with each one of these individuals. God, you know their needs, you know their circumstances, you know the burdens of their heart. God, I pray that you would pick up their burdens, that you would love them. God, for those that may be going through hard time, I pray that you remind them, God, that you've been through them with them yesterday and that you're going to be with through them today. God, restore hope, Father. God, be with each and every one as they go through this week. Keep them safe, Lord, and keep on your arms. And God, again, we ask for a special blessing for our kids at camp. Pour your blessing out upon them, Father. God, pour your spirit about upon them. And Father, we ask for no injuries and traveling mercies back. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.